church. Hello, church. It is so great to see all of you here at the Crown Ridge campus of the Oak Hills Church. I send greetings to all the other campuses of Oak Hills North Central, our Northeast campus called Journey Fellowship, our West Side campus, our Bernie Barn Church that meets this evening, and also Oak Hills Fredericksburg, who today had to meet in a larger worship space because they are growing so fast. I didn't even know there were that many people in Fredericksburg, but they are taking... Fredericksburg by storm. There's also about uh, between 1,300 and 2,000 people who dial in on the live stream of, of our services. And one of them today happens to be a gentleman who is on a well-deserved vacation celebrating his 30th anniversary, a wedding anniversary with his wife. His name is Max Licato. And uh, that is so cool. Now, he is watching. And so we want to uh, do a little shout out. We're going to go on the count of three. Max Licato, we love you. Ready? All right. Okay. Okay, ready? One, two, three. God loves you, Max, but I'm his favorite. I grew up in an unchurched home. Those of you who have been around Oak Hills uh, know that about me. It's a part of my story, and I can't change it. Uh, but at the age of 14, I heard the gospel. This word gospel means good news. It was the first time at this age that I heard what Jesus Christ did for me. I heard it twice and then I took hold of it. I embraced it fully. Everything that summer day in June of 1974 changed for me from that day forward. Number one, I now had hope of eternal life. And those of you who have never thought of it this way before, Listen to me. When you have hope of eternal life that is embedded in the promise of Jesus Christ forever and ever, it doesn't matter how bad your day is today, you can live with extreme joy because your joy is not tied to your circumstances because we know on the basis of the blood of Christ, this day is not how my story ends. Now, I never captured that. I didn't capture that fully at the age of 14. But over these 37 years of following Jesus, I've become more clear about how much hope there is in Christ. But the second thing, and more tangible for the moment, was I was now a part of a brand new family called the church. Now, some of you have grown up with the church from the time you were in the crib, but I'm 14, and this is my first experience with my new family. And they were like a fresh ripe piece of fruit. Every time I took a bite of experience with them, I tasted love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And frankly, I couldn't get enough of it. So you can imagine at the age of 15, when I was sitting in a service, and the preacher got up and delivered this message. He said, if you really love God, and if you are really committed to Him, you will surrender your life to full-time ministry. <laughs> well, I was the first one to run down to the front. I said, I love God. I'm really committed to God. Where do I sign up? And that day, I made a huge decision in my life. A huge decision. I enlisted in God's army. I surrendered my life to full-time ministry. 
I became, or it was least on the journey, to become a man of the cloth. I had devoted my life to the highest calling, and I was satisfied. Fast forward to the age of 16, and I took on my first official ministry assignment in the church where I became a Christ follower. I got an office, and I also got this plaque that has my name inscribed on it, and you're going to learn I love to see my name in print. And um, you're going to need to guess what you, th- you understand or think my first ministry assignment was. <laughs> you're not going to see this one coming. <laughs> All right, let's zoom in. Here it is, Randy Frazee, choir director. It's true, Sunday morning worship, a church of about 300, 350. At the age of 16, I was a, uh, I was a volunteer, the main choir director, built a choir from zero to 40 people, including in the alto section, a cute little Italian girl that later became my wife. And we celebrate 30 years in December. That's pretty cool, huh? <laughs> Whoever thought being a choir director would be a chick magnet? (laughs) Now, some of you are looking and saying, you were not a choir director, so I thought I would demonstrate. Here we go. Okay, we're going to sing the song, Jesus Loves Me, all right? I'm going to lead you. Watch my hands. Here we go. One, two, three. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. A little one to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Come on, give it to me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, why they always do that? Loves me. Here we go. The Fast forward to the age of 18. I made my way, as the journey suggested, to Bible college to study theology, Greek, homiletics. Can an angel dance on the head of a pin? I was going to find the answer to that as well as all the other important questions in life. It was while I was there, however, in my second year of study, studying the scriptures pretty much morning to noon to evening that I ran across some teachings in the Bible particularly the New Testament that left me feeling like Martin Luther of the 1500s when as a Catholic monk he studied the book of Romans and discovered to his amazement that a relationship with God can only come through faith in Jesus Christ alone And he etched this along with 94 other theses and he nailed them to the Wittenberg door in Germany and it began what we now refer to as the Protestant Reformation. I was sitting there as a Bible student monk myself and I was studying the New Testament and I had a similar personal encounter with God and a Reformation. There were three scriptures that stood out that really rocked my world. The first one is 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5. If you brought your Bible, you can turn there. But I'm also going to show it on the screen because I want us all to see it together. Here's what it reads. How it reads. For there is one God and one mediator 
between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus. Did you see that? What this passage is telling us is that there is no one standing between you and God the Father except Jesus Christ. Now it is true that in the Old Testament there was a priest that stood between us and God, but when Christ finished his work on the cross, that job came to an end and it changed everything for us, which leads me to the second passage that rocked my world. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. Fast forward to the right a little bit and you'll come upon a book called 1 Peter. Listen to what Peter wrote. But you, speaking of Christians, speaking of you, are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Look at that. Today you need to understand that the rabbi, the priest, the pastor, and the minister does not stand between you and God, but you have direct access to God for yourself. The scripture is saying, maybe you've never seen it before, you are in fact a priest. That's one of the reasons why and uh, and, and we certainly respect uh, all the other wonderful churches in our community, but at the Oak Hills Church, it's one of the reasons why Max and I do not wear robes or collars or stand be behind big overwhelming pulpits to create a barrier between us, or we try not to talk funny when we're up here. Well, well Max talks a little funny, but he tries really hard. I'm working with him. Now, by funny, I don't mean funny. What I mean is we don't try to sound religious, because that creates a barrier between us. I had this first encounter as a, as a, as a, as a, a newly ordained minister. I was uh, sharing a memorial service with a fellow minister in, the, in a town I used to be at. And we were just having this casual conversation, talking like two just average guys. And then it was his turn to go up on the stage. And all of a sudden, his voice changed. He said, ladies and gentlemen, God is in this place tonight. And I thought, what happened? We were just talking like two guys and his voice changed. And I'll tell you why we do that. We want you to believe for the sake of our self-esteem that we are better than you, that we are higher than you. And we want to create a separation and a barrier to let you know that we are spiritual and you are secular. And so here at the Oak Hills Church, we try not to do that. We don't want to give the appearance that we have a higher or nobler position with God because we don't. Now the final passage is the one that really shook me down. It's the book of Ephesians chapter 4 verses 11 and 12. If you'll go back to the left in your Bible, you'll find the book of Ephesians. Now normally I teach out of the New International Version of the Bible, but I'm going to pop on the screen a different translation. It's the New King James Version because of a way that it words what I want you to see. Verse 11, and he himself speaking of Jesus Christ, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of, look at it, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Look at that again. What is this passage saying to us plainly? It is saying that guys like me and Max and all the other people around here that we call ministers are really not the ministers 
after all. Paul is teaching us that we, guys like Max and I, were given to the church as a gift. (laughs) I hope you see it that way. We're given to you as a gift to serve the local elders of this congregation to equip you, the believers in Jesus, for the work of ministry, for the sake of edifying the body of Christ. So as it turns out, I'm not making this stuff up, folks. I've shown you plain scripture. As it turns out, you are the ones in ministry, full time. It is so important, and it is so constant in the teaching of the New Testament that this actually made our short list of values as a church. We say it this way, every believer is a minister. Say it with me, every believer is a minister. One more time, every believer is a ministry. So I don't have special access to God. I don't have a greater dose of the Holy Spirit. My prayers don't count more than yours. Oh, how I would like them to for my sake, and then I'd also sell my prayers. Yeah, I could pray for you for a 10 spot. We can, we can get it there by today. Federal Express. But that is not the case. No, that is all available to you in equal dosages for the work and the life and the ministry that God has called you to as his fellow saints. So my job is to come alongside of you and to equip you for your important task. Hear me carefully. What happens in this room is not where the real game is played. This is the equipping center. The real ministry takes place outside of these walls in the lives of real people where you live and where you work, and where you go to school, who are hurting and are in desperate need of a minister to come alongside of them and minister to them. And as it turns out, you are those people. As it turns out, the Bible teaches us that the day that you took hold of God's grace to give you eternal life through Christ, at that same moment, you enlisted in His service all of your life, Everything you do, every breath you take, now belongs to Him. You're saying, whoa, I just wanted eternal life. Well, Paul gives us the extent of all that it includes in a passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 31. Here he tells us which categories belong to the Lord and which ones you can keep for yourself. Verse 31, so whether you eat or drink or what you do, say that with me, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. You know the implications of that. Something as benign as eating a piece of asparagus can be ministry if the intent is to bring glory to God. Whatever you do, you are to do it for the Lord. And at the moment that you intend to do whatever you do for the Lord is the moment it moves from being secular to sacred. It's the moment it moves from being just what you do to being an act of worship and ministry. So listen to me carefully. When you hold your baby, that is ministry. When you make a meal, 
for your family or friends. That is ministry. When you go to work, whether you're a plumber, a teacher, or a politician, okay, maybe not politicians, but all those other jobs, no, I'm just joking with you. Whatever it is you give your hands to, even if you do it in utter isolation, God looks upon you. If it is the intent of your heart to do it as unto the Lord, it becomes ministry. When you help a neighbor in need, it is ministry. When you encourage a fellow Christian to hang in there with Christ, that is ministry. When you come alongside and work with other neighbors in a neighborhood gathering or to serve alongside of your elder in the development of an area community seeking to be Jesus to others right where you live or you serve in a ministry on this campus, you are doing ministry as much as what Max and I do when we stand here. It is the same. When you share your faith with someone who is far from God and lost, you are just as much a minister as Billy Graham. <laughs> you can imagine when I first discovered this biblical truth halfway through Bible college, when I was paying for my schooling on my own, that I didn't have to go to Bible college to be a minister and empty my bank account, when in fact every believer is a minister. <laughs> I felt a little duped. <laughs> I did. And I had to really wrestle with that whole idea that I'd given already two years of my life and spent all of my money to become something that I became the day I accepted Christ. But I ultimately decided to stay with it and went on to finish college and then went on to do my graduate studies in theology. And over these 20 years of doing this particular work, I have determined that the best way that I can equip you is not by my words, but to come alongside of you as a fellow minister to my family as a husband and as a father and now a grandfather, to my neighbors, to come alongside of you as a fellow minister as I am personally involved, getting my fingernails dirty with the actual poor, not just telling you to go do it, when I engage in relationships, not just in this room as a holy huddle with other people who are like me or will soon be like me if they spend enough time with me, but rather coming alongside of a person who is far from God and developing a relationship with them, myself, in the hope that they might see even just a glimpse of God's work miraculously through me and they might cross the line of faith and take hold of eternal life. I'm an equipper in here, but the minute that I walk out of this door today with you, I become a fellow minister and member of the body of Christ called to be Jesus in every neighborhood in San Antonio and beyond. I stand arm in arm with you. Say it with me. We are the body of Christ called to be Jesus in every neighborhood in San Antonio and beyond. So what do you think about all this? <laughs> what do you think? Maybe like my experience, never, no one ever told you this when you became a Christian. It's that have been very, very helpful because I'm convinced that a lot of people accept Jesus as their Savior because they want God to help them. They want a better life. They want to be happier. They want God, the divine, to blow wind at their back according to their plans. But no one told them that the day in which they became a believer, they also became a minister. The day you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, He also became your Lord, which means in San Antonio, He became your general. Yes, sir. And all of your life belongs to Him. 
Would you have signed up for it if someone told you that? You're saying, hey, 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 I'm putting $5 in the plate today. That's all I wanted was a good sermon for five bucks. You know, this idea of turning the rest of my life over to God in full-time ministry is crazy. And if someone had told me that up front, I might have been willing to forgo eternal life so I can live my life the way that I want to. Maybe that's the spirit that you might have, given that you now know the full deal. We need to be more careful as ministers and teachers of the scripture that you understand that when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're also accepting him as your Lord. So how should this make you feel? It should make you feel proud. It should make you feel like you have been given a high and holy calling on your life. It should make you feel like your life really does count. So today I would like to make this truth official. I would like for all believers in Jesus, receivers of the grace of eternal life, to officially acknowledge today that you are enlisted soldiers in God's army. I would like to officially commission you as ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ according to the clear teachings of scripture. (laughs) But you didn't see that one coming when you walked in. So our ushers right now are going to come forward and they're going to pass out something to you that we're going to use in this official ordination service. And I'm going to ask them to come forward right now and pass it out. And I'm going to invite you just to hold it and I'll show you in a moment what we're going to do. Take my hand. 
Okay, I'd like you to open this up now and pull out your official dog tags. Mm. Uh, I heard that we might have run out this service, and so if some of our ushers in other spots have one, uh, maybe uh, you can raise your hand and hopefully we can get one to everybody. The first thing I want you to do is uh, sort of thread the needle here, if you would. It takes your readers to do this, if you're old like me. And then go ahead and snap it together. If you had a big head, you might need to open it back up again in just a moment to get around your head. <laughs> Thank goodness Max is not here. Oh no, I didn't mean he had a big head. I just think it would be, it'd be a hard thing for him to watch. You, mis- you misunderstood me. I want you to look at the dog tag now. Don't put it on. I want you to look at the name. It says minister. If you're a believer, that's you. <laughs> well, by the way, this will get you some special parking places in the city. No, I belong here. Blood type. Look at it. Christ. Passage of scripture, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. If someone denies that you're a minister, you open up this passage for him and says, no, 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 it's true. God said so. Oak Hills Church. Now there are two people that should not put this on in just a moment. Two people. First of all, for those of you who have never accepted Christ as your Savior, and He's not your Lord, and therefore you're not in ministry, and therefore you should not put this on. Maybe because you never really understood what it means to have salvation, uh, or maybe it's because you're just stubborn, and you're too prideful, and you're going to turn your life over to no one. It's your choice. But don't put this on. Because it doesn't belong to you. But salvation is free today. If you would like to accept Christ after our service in the blue bonnet room, just out these doors, there'll be elders and prayer ministers who can help you receive Christ as your Savior. And they'll have one of these handy if there's some left because... The moment he becomes your savior, he also becomes your Lord. The second person who shouldn't put this on is the person who says, you know, I received Christ for him to help me out with my life and even give me eternal life, but I didn't know I was signing up to give my life away, and so I'm just not really sure that I'm up for that right now. Don't put this on. Don't feel any pressure to put this on. You don't lose your salvation, and you're still a minister. (laughs) You've just gone AWOL for a while. Hopefully just a season. And one day when God grabs hold of your life and you see the most truthful way to live is to give your life to Christ in everything that you do, then I'll invite you to put it on that day. For the rest of you followers of Jesus, if you are prepared, I invite you now to stand up and grab um, this um, dog tag like this. And I'm going to read some statements to you. And after I read it, if you are in agreement with it, I'm going to ask you to signify by saying, I do, and then together I'll invite us to put on our official tags. Dear follower of Jesus Christ, you have taken hold of the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Do you now understand that when you did this, you were also enlisting in his service to be Jesus to others as a full-time minister? 
Do you understand that he planned for you to be alive at this exact time and live in this exact place to accomplish his purposes? Do you understand that he has given you spiritual gifts and everything you need by faith to accomplish the assignments he has for you? With this understanding, do you intend to be a faithful minister of God's grace in the strength he provides? If so, signify by saying, I do. do. Then by the authority vested in me as a fellow minister and equipper, I now commission you into his service to be Jesus wherever you are. I commission you to partner with your fellow soldiers in Christ in serving our Lord. I commission you to walk in a manner worthy of this high calling until he either takes you home or he comes back for us. And all the church said, Amen. You may now put them on. This is going to make my job a lot easier to have you on staff. It's a pretty awesome moment, isn't it? I hope that the experience you're having right now as you've encountered the scriptures is very similar to the one I had when I was 15 when I felt it was a holy moment for me even though I didn't have to go to Bible college and seminary to be in ministry. You are a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ right where you are. That's overwhelming.